Welcome to All Kinds. I'm Chaya. And today we're going to talk about a sticky situation. There's so many hair removal options out there. Hairy stories from someone who's tried it all. Trust me. Are you lacking motivation at work? It's not you. Flexible work environments have different challenges. So get comfy and get cracking. We'll also touch on some weekly updates, such as the attempted body shaming of Billie Eilish, Amy Cooper's speed dial, Deaf You on Netflix, and much, much more. So welcome back, everybody. As you can see, uh, my voice is back. I'm all good. In fact, my husband tells me that my voice didn't change at all. I thought it had because I took the flu shot, but apparently I just sound like this. He's like, you sound like a man. And he's not wrong. People have mistaken me for a sir, on the phone at least. Uh, I would say in person, it's never happened. But I tend to have a deeper, somewhat nasally, not like Fran from The Nanny, but lower voice. But that's all behind me. It only lasted a couple days, my side effects from the flu shot. I was worried because every time I get sick, it's for days on end and there's always lingering effects. But no, that's great. I mean, I guess that happens every time you do a flu shot. So I'm hoping that I've got some protection and we'll see how it goes. So it's a lot easier than it sounded. I'm delighted that we did it now in retrospect. But I wanted to talk to you about hair removal. I know it's a personal choice. And personally for myself, I'm not a huge fan of hair. I used to shave, but it grew back so quickly. So I started looking at different options. I've basically done it all. And I think most of us have. I mean, anywhere from threading your eyebrows to waxing to sugaring to lasering, and to whatever else you can think of. I remember when I was younger, I had read, I think Madonna had her big book out, and she talked about how she lasered her entire body. And I was like, oh my God, if I ever had that kind of money, I'm doing it. And, you know, back then, I would say probably 90s, early 2000s, laser, IPL, whatever, I still don't know the difference between the two, were super expensive. It still is, but like significantly more. And you would have to uh, like numb yourself with a cream just to even go have an appointment. So we all did a lot of waxing and people still do wax and waxing is great because it lasts definitely longer than, you know, shaving and other stuff, but it can be very painful and you're still always going to have to do it. You know, I remember when I first started when I was young and they're like, oh, you get less and less hairs every time. That's not true. I've realized now, especially with my age, you're always going to get new hairs. Your hormones fluctuate and change. So obviously everyone's got a great plucker. Those are definitely something very handy. But in just general laser removal, I think it's the best thing. I tried it when we had a one really great special many, many years ago. I did the six painful sessions and it definitely reduced the hair. And then a few years ago, you know, I had a Groupon and they're getting much, much cheaper, especially with Groupons. And I did a whole nother batch of sessions, but it's never a hundred percent, but it's really great because if I go on vacation or anything like that. I don't have to like panic. Do I have a razor? Do I have enough shaving cream? Generally, I bring a little razor and it's a few errant hairs. Obviously, this is not easy for people who have blonde hair because it doesn't work that well. It does work. Or people with darker skin, you know, you don't want to be as light as possible so the laser picks it up. But if you are tanned or you have darker skin, it can work. It just requires more sessions. But we were sitting here, we were like, you know what, just for a few hairs, I'm not going to buy a whole new batch. I'm going to try to get something. They must have something for at home. I kept seeing like advertisements for it. So we ordered this Tria thing. It's a personalized laser hair removal. It's called Tria. It said it was FDA approved, the only one on the market, but it wasn't available like in North America. So we sketchily ordered it from wherever 
and it came through to the States and I'm pretty sure it arrived used. I can't be 100%. It had all this packaging and everything. But either way, we're like, all right, we'll try to use it. We don't know how effective it is because if I don't watch out, I mean, now I'm like, my toes can turn into the hobbit. You know, I don't know if you guys are feeling that, but look down I'm like, what the heck? Same thing goes for like random errant hairs and inner thighs or wherever, just one spot, even on the face. I should warn everybody, if you've never done laser and if you're going to do something on your face, if you have fillings, it's literally a punch in the face. I wasn't warned. I wanted to do like the stash area and I have multiple feelings and, and whoa. So what I ended up doing, just a little tip for you guys, bring some chewing gum, some bubble gum, or if you have like a retainer, you know, I still can't get mine in. I'm still planning on my, you know, retainer or, or you know, mouth guard is, is essentially what it is. I'm supposed to be using that. If you have a mouth guard, retainer, whatever it's called, definitely bring that if you're going to try to laser your stash. Um, but we trying it. And the first time I tried it, I, just be careful because the instructions are limited and it should be safe apparently, but I did it. And then like within 20 minutes, my knees just started bleeding because I'm doing my knees and my toes. Essentially, these are places that I don't know why just never, never seem to get rid of the hair. They're very resilient, but you always got to be careful because I remember even when I was waxing, I had done even sugaring, which is like just basically like a ball of sugary wax that they do. And I was like, you know what? Enough with all of this. I'm going to do this at home. And I bought like roll-on hot wax and you put it in the microwave and now I have a scar. I mean, I decided to do it. I hadn't done it in a few months and I put it in the microwave. I forgot for how long I had lost the instructions and you test a little bit and it seemed fine. And then I was doing my bikini area and it just rolled out like hot lava. And then I made the mistake of standing up where it jumped over and seared into my thigh. So now I have a big scar on my thigh that people just think I was born with. So I'm like, okay, that's why I went to laser. I just wanted to permanently remove it. But now I've learned you can't ever permanently remove all your hair. It's just not possible. Madonna lied to us. You can get a good chunk of it, though. I would say 90%. And you definitely want to do it before the grays or whites come in. Because like I said, it won't work for blondes. It certainly won't work for any white hairs. So if you're thinking about it, look for a good Groupon. Definitely worth it. It takes at least six sessions. So don't be impatient. Don't worry about it. But be careful because if you're going to get something at home, my knees were bleeding. Uh, I had to use aloe. This is a personalized laser hair removal. So I don't know if it's effective or not. I'll keep you guys posted. I did it this week and I put it on a much lower volume. It only has up to like five settings. So I went to like setting four. I put it on the strongest given my history. But yeah, so I'm always hurting myself here. So hopefully I'm passing along some helpful advice. So we don't all have to run around looking like hobbits and could sort of get some permanent relief. Obviously, you'll still keep you know, tweaking, tweezing, threading, little bits here and there, but the less the better and the less pain, I'd rather go through it and have more permanency. So definitely get on it if you see a good deal. So from that sticky situation, talk about another one. I know everyone, well, most people are working from home now. I've been working from home while remote work for many, many years now since I've been in sales, and there was always a component of the office and at home, but the difference was, I got to go out and meet customers and partners and things like that. So I wasn't just sitting at home all day. So, but that's the main difference that I'm experiencing now. But even before the pandemic, if you have like an all day office day, it can get draining. And my friends and I always used to say one hour in the office equals four to five hours. Nobody ever determined on how much. No one's done a study on this, but you're so much more productive you don't have the distractions, especially if, as in like best practices, you have a separate space or even better, 
a separate room for a home office. That is so important if you're really going to be working at home. Yes, you're going to have a lot of flexibility, but you you can have added distractions at home too if you're just in the living room. I mean, every once in a while, I'll do that because we only have one office and Bruno is also working at home. So I'll sometimes work on the dining room table and he'll do the office and vice versa, depending on what meetings we have. But you have to try and stay focused. It comes down to discipline. So sometimes I say to myself, oh, well, winter's coming, seasonal affective disorder, you know, that winter depression. I'm like, why does that always seem to strike me while I'm working or while I have stuff to do for work? Yeah, I mean, I don't suddenly have seasonal affective disorder when I'm on the couch watching TV later. So (laughs) it's very hard to get motivated. I even bought that light that they recommend. I think Oprah talked about it on her show, like get one of those seasonal lights. I don't know if it worked or not. I mean, I wasn't depressed last winter, but then again, it was a pretty mild winter as I now live in BC and sunshine almost every afternoon. So can't complain. But working at home can be really tricky. And a lot of you have already discovered or heard about these best practices. Obviously, you want to be comfy. That's number one. Some people say, no, you should dress up like you're going for work because then you'll stay motivated. My big advice is like, listen, if I'm not feeling it and we all have those days and you shouldn't beat yourself up about it, because remember, one hour is equal to four or five, depending on who you talk to and how efficient you are. Take the break. I always take a set break. Step away. Enjoy a coffee or a snack. Definitely a snack. A little bit of cookies. And, you know, do something you like for maybe read the news or read some funny stories, whatever. Get away from the office. If you have a separate space, step out. I think that's super, super important because they always say people would be willing to, you know, leave a higher paying job for a better environment. But what does that mean when that better environment is your environment? It's your house. You have to create this environment. You don't have some asshole harassing you all the time. You don't have to hate this person from that department. They're not coming up to see how you are or trying on some scheme or you don't have to worry about their power hungry ways or whatever shenanigans are going on in your office because now it's your home office and we all have Zoom fatigue. But at the same time, it's going to be hard, even pandemic or not. If you're having a full office day, you must take the breaks, you know, meet someone for lunch, get out of the house. I think that was the biggest difference for me is that I was able to, you know, go out and meet customers, meet partners, and also get errands done on the way. Like if you're in between things, oh, okay, I'm parking right here. When I finish my meeting, there's the pharmacy. I know I need to pick that up. You got a lot of stuff done during the day. And it's the same thing for managing your day at home. Like, okay, well, I want to do the laundry. Well, while I have this conference call right before it starts, throw it in the washer. It should be done by the time the meeting's over, then in the dryer, and then poof, you could be folding clothes on your next meeting or training or whatever. But it's very, very difficult. I find that... (laughs) I start getting like low grade depression if I don't remind myself, take a break. Because if you're not busy, uh, you can get really start thinking about other things like, oh, well, maybe, you know, I'm just sitting here. Maybe it's the weather changing. Well, no, no, it could be that you're just not feeling it. It's a lot uh, many, many hours in the home office. So you do want to break it up. That's for sure. I know some people will do some work in the morning. And then they'll have to go about, you know, handling some personal things at home, whether it be children or errand or whatever, and then fix dinner and then set aside two hours to work. So you got to make a schedule that works for you. You have to prioritize. And if you have a mountain of work sitting in front of you, maybe take a step back, take five minute break, have a tea, have a coffee, then go back and tackle it one by one. But yeah, it's just I find it ironic that sometimes you think you're depressed, but no, it could just be too much and you don't want to burn out and you can burn out. So be very careful with that. And just remember, it's a lot more and a lot less of time. People always say, oh, you know, we work less because of technology. 
That's not true. In the olden days, to make like an order, let's say you would have to walk over to another business. They would sign papers. It would have to be couriered somewhere else. It would have to be physically, manually filed. All of this stuff that takes like a second in an email. So you're mentally working harder. So it's normal that you're going to feel drained and tired, even though you haven't done anything physical. But you're using your brain a lot more than, you know, the previous generations, especially in these office type jobs. So take the break. Don't feel guilty about it. And we all have some of those days where it's a little slower, but you'll definitely make up for it. You'll have like a power hour when you just zoom through it all. So I know motivation can be hard, but you're definitely not alone. We're all going through this. And even when the pandemic ends, when you have a flexible work, which is great, there's definitely more pros to the cons. You need to think about structuring that better for what works for you so you can get stuff done and not feel like you're so overwhelmed and so behind. That takes me to our commercial break. So today's episode is brought to you by a notebook. Are you constantly forgetting things? Are you not sure how to structure your day? Are you having trouble figuring out what task is most important? Don't want to forget a funny joke or a great idea? Jot it down. Before you put endless reminders that you're just going to ignore on your phone, an old-fashioned pen and paper can be your salvation. It's the simple things in life. And yes, you can put it in recycling when you're done. Simply go through the list you made for yourself for the day or bring that grocery list with you to the store. Next time you want to make Bubby's famous whatever, at least you will have paprika at the ready. Or that single bay leaf that mysteriously is supposed to do so much. A notebook. It's not just a movie. Available at most retailers. Write that shit down today. And I'm back. Yeah, one thing I've always done, and I heard that a lot of people do, is Every day before I start my day, I always have like a list of tasks that I want to do in terms of priority, and you check them off through the day. You add things. It's such a great feeling when you have like a whole bunch of check marks. Just any little notebook. It always sits at the side of my desk, and it can be very helpful. And if there's, oh, I got to remember to do this. And I know we have phones and we could, you know, send ourselves an email, but I find just the old-fashioned little notebook just works best. Well, I wanted to talk to you guys this week. I don't know if you saw, once again, here we go. Somebody tried to uh, body shame Billie Eilish. She's like 18. And from what I saw, she's just like a regular person. I don't see what the issue was. And normally she wears baggy clothes, but she happened to (gasps) step out of her house and a tanked up on some shorts and they went bananas. And of course, the Internet slapped it down. And people were like talking about like, it's time we stop saying how courageous it is when someone has a body, you know, essentially, I'm not even going to use the word regular, like so brave of her to come out and show her body like what? This is not even courageous. It's not brave. It's ridiculous. We should be normalizing this. You don't hear us saying like how brave of like DJ Khaled to leave his house looking like that. Now You don't see that. I think he's even in a video in a in a pool. So it seems to be really still focused on women. And I'm glad we're seeing Everyone just call it out because this has been ridiculous. We've always known. And it's not something that, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, it's always women. And we've noticed what the guys look like. We don't go around body shaming them. Trust me. It's not like we don't see what they look like. This shit is ridiculous and it needs to stop. So I'm glad at least that it definitely received the proper clap back it deserved. And I also saw something that they were saying that uh, I saw an article in The Guardian gender-free, gender-neutral clothing is the clothing of the future. I was like, okay, you know what? That exists. You can wear what you want. I'm tired of it. You know, you want to dress in a pink outfit today and you're a boy. Okay. They used to do that back in the day. Anyway, dress boys in pink. You could wear what you want. Nobody's telling you. When I was growing up, I absolutely experimented. It had fun with fashion. Was it always in style? Absolutely not. Did it make sense? No. Was it gender appropriate? Who knows? Maybe yes, maybe not. That's what it is. 
They always say clothing make the man or the woman or whatever you want to be. So dress how you feel, have fun with it, and dress for success if that's what you're looking for. I mean, sure, you know, you can dress sexy one day. You can dress not sexy the next day. Nobody, there's no rules here. I don't know what he's talking about. Like, you don't need to follow this. If you want to wear baggy clothes, go right ahead. Who is stopping you? It's ridiculous. But I don't know if you guys saw, here we go again, Amy Cooper and her speed dial. I mean, it turns out she called, I don't know if you guys remember, she's the one who called on that bird watcher in Central Park saying she was being attacked when he had asked her to leash her dog. And of course, she called the police saying a black man is threatening her, which was ridiculous. And she has apologized after getting a big public shaming and she's lost her job. She lives in New York. The big thing is, guys, I don't think people realize she's Canadian. And I was like, here we go. It turns out she made a second call, not just that first one, but obviously one he didn't have a chance to catch on camera. Or maybe he wasn't aware of it, where she said she was assaulted by him. That's really serious. If this guy hadn't been filming any of this, there's no doubt in all of our minds what would have happened. So I don't know what they're going to do because he felt that, okay, she's apologized and he doesn't want her whole life to be ruined for that. He said he wasn't about that, but maybe he's got a different opinion with this. I'm like, I don't know. We are about so close till they do like CSI forensic files, look on her laptop. God knows what's going on here. So I don't know. We haven't seen anything in Canadian news, but wherever she's from, I think it's somewhere in Ontario. This is not definitely not another proud moment coming from Amy Cooper. She's going to have to change her name. There's no doubt about it. I'm sure she's probably back in Canada or trying to get back in Canada. She's so famous there. Well, infamous there. I don't think that she would have a future there unless she really did a dolezal, you know, changed her name, her whole look. You don't even recognize this bitch. You know, that's the only thing <laughs> that would make it for her. And I wanted to let you guys know, also, I watched Deaf You on Netflix. I would definitely recommend it. Normally, I'm not too keen to watch a college type show, but I thought it was interesting given that they're deaf. I mean, you don't really see a lot about that in our culture or in the mainstream. And I'd always heard that they have uh, essentially, uh, you know, their own schools, like their schools for the blind. And it's a whole culture. And I remember because my mother's hard of hearing that sometimes I'd see information that it was almost a betrayal to get a cochlear implant, you know, where someone can hear, whereas naturally they wouldn't have been able to. So I, I wonder how they are marrying the whole technology and advancements, giving some people hearing while some people not. And they have their own culture and language too. They do interact with the hearing world, but it was interesting to see because they do have different hierarchies and stratas about it. I don't want to give away anything, but one thing that was cool to see was that they were very open about it and, and their college lifestyles and, you know, who they were hooking up with and who they weren't hooking up with. And I was happy to see that, you know, you would have equally slutty men and women and people aren't slut shaming, which, you know, which made no sense back in my day. You know, if if a guy's a slut, he's a slut and they're calling it out on the show, which was great to see. But things haven't changed that much in college. A lot of people have crushes, um, but there is an added element here with these hierarchies. They have some people they call elite. These are people who have had like deafness in their family for multiple generations and apparently, if you cross them the wrong way, you know, they'll definitely cut a bitch. And I was thinking, I wonder if that exists in the world of the blind. I don't think so. I don't know. But I think it'd be interesting to see if they're going to showcase something like that as a follow-up. I mean, these were very, very attractive young teenagers. Well, not teenagers, actually. I believe they were in their early 20s. 
So it's a very, they're very attractive. And it reminded me almost like that cheerleading documentary, which I'm sure you guys saw. Unfortunately, one of them has been arrested for child pornography charges, which is so terrible because he was a favorite on the show. But this whole genre of these young people and what it's like in these colleges and schools and how competitive it can get. So maybe they'll follow it up with a blind one. I don't know, uh, but I'm sure like there's a blind school. There must be. I mean, they're reading. I can't read Braille, but it's got to have its own community as well, I would imagine. We're learning so much about so many different aspects of culture. I mean, when we started with the whole love on the spectrum, which I really loved, and I know they're coming out with a sequel, and now we're getting to see something a window into something that we don't usually see, which I appreciate. So I got to say, Netflix is really amping it up. If you guys are looking for something fun and interesting, and it's very quick episodes, so you can get the whole series done pretty quickly. I think they're like 20 minutes, but excellent. Definitely check it out. I wanted to say I did see something. I was reading an article, so I checked it out. This wonderful art show, very light, very nice just to see art. It's just in England. It's called Portrait Artist of the Year. Hard to find, so I had to stream it. It's a contest where they get all these amazing artists. Some of them are professional, some are amateur, and they have four hours to paint a portrait of a celebrity. And it's interesting because you see it live from beginning to end, what they can do. It's different styles of art, but it's just wonderful to watch. It's like watching masterpieces in action. So I would definitely recommend that, Portrait Artist of the Year, if you're looking or something cultural, still a little bit of a competitive edge, and just absolutely beautiful. Excellent to watch. Well, that's really been my week. You know, it hasn't been too eventful. We had the long weekend because of Thanksgiving, Canadian Thanksgiving. So we're not celebrating pilgrims or anything like that. Just general thanks. So I'll keep you guys posted, but those are my recommendations. And I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what the next week will bring. And if you guys like what you hear... Don't forget to check us out weekly on iTunes or on your preferred platform. Please give me a rating and subscribe to the show. Give us the stars you think we deserve. Check out our website at allkindspodcast.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter at All Kinds Weekly or on Instagram at All Kinds Podcast. I look forward to hearing from you and maybe I can discuss it on our next show. Thanks for listening.